look at it. So we have two more weeks. Uh, this is uh, second last week. And uh, Bruce, uh, thank you for the dessert. And we thank Paul's group of KSL for the uh, food the last uh, uh, five, six weeks. So let us all thank them. Uh, as you see, uh, you don't have IKKB version uh, for this one because uh, relatively simple. So uh, there's uh, not much really uh, for you not to understand. Uh, so so far, I have provided IKKB version, but uh, for this one uh, and until the end, probably I will uh, need to give you uh, uh, IKKB version because. Uh, is uh, straightforward. Uh, Romans uh, 1 to 11, uh, that is a theoretical part. Uh, that is a, a very, uh, in a way, very difficult to go through uh, 1 to 11 because there are a lot of concepts that we need to unpack. Uh, and uh, the more you read it, the more you study it, uh, the deeper uh, probably you appreciate it. Uh, so I said, maybe once a year you need to study uh, Romans uh, because this is a core of what we believe. So it is important that we need to fully digest uh, Romans. And uh, doesn't matter how long you study, still there's some new material. Uh, today I was uh, treated by uh, this uh, KSN Jitsani. Uh, uh, he tried to memorize whole Roman, uh, the letter of Romans, the 16 chapters. Because once he went to mission, and then uh, he met uh, this person, and he memorized whole uh, Romans. Uh, so he came back and he tried to memorize uh, the whole uh, Romans. And then uh, he said that still, uh, even if he memorizes, sometimes he doesn't understand. Uh, but uh, through the study, uh, he got better understanding. Uh, but I think every time we uh, study will get new insight. Uh, and last uh, Wednesday, uh, both in the morning and the evening, I, I had such a great time uh, with women's uh, Bible study. My goodness, they got so mature. Uh, the kind of insight that they uh, bring around the table is just um, amazing uh, how uh, insightful uh, they are and also. The evening uh, session was uh, pretty uh, good too. So, uh, at least I hope that someday we can all memorize Romans eight. Uh, even if we don't, we cannot memorize all sixteen chapters of Romans. Uh, but if we could do some kind of movement to memorize uh, chapter eight of Romans, ah, chapter eight of Romans is so beautiful. It is so beautiful, and so it is all uh, worth it. Uh, even if it is hard, it is worth uh, memorizing it. So far, we have started with righteousness. I mean, what is uh, really righteousness? Uh, to be pleased, uh, uh, to please God, and uh, to be acceptable to God, we have to be uh, righteous, and then, but that righteousness, Paul realized that it's not possible. Uh, it looks like righteousness on the surface, but when you look at it very carefully, he realized that it's not righteousness. It is just self-righteousness we human beings made, uh, rather than uh, true righteousness. Uh, a lot of times, you know, our righteousness, our, our, our righteousness is like this. You know, I used to love the world, uh, and then I was righteous uh, in terms of uh, uh, morality or uh, good, decent living and all that. 
But you know, now I became a Christian. I'm righteous religiously. Uh, that's all. You know, in a way, they create their own righteousness too. Whether it's a worldly righteousness or religious righteousness, that's not what Paul is really talking about. Uh, Paul did not say that. Uh, did not say that I used to be bad, and after uh, meeting Christ, I became good. He didn't say that. Uh, I. What he said was, I thought I was good, but after meeting Christ, I realized I'm bad. So totally different uh, from what pe most people say. You know, he said he's saying that I thought I used to be good, but after meeting Christ, I realized uh, I'm not that good uh, after all. I think that is core gospel message actually. What Paul just what I just said now. It is the core uh, of the gospel message. When you hear the testimony, oh, I used to smoke, I used to drink, I used to cheat, I used to, do, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, things. And then now I'm with Christ and, you know, I'm very good. But that's not really the gospel that, that they're talking about. Uh, so uh, they're talking about their own righteousness in me. But Paul is saying that there's no such thing as self-righteousness. There's no such thing as uh, your own righteousness. Your righteousness is nil, zero. Uh, until you understand that, uh, you cannot understand the gospel that Paul uh, is uh, trying to say. So uh, we talk a lot about this righteousness. And we, uh, I said uh, with a small from law that uh, uh, another kind of righteousness Paul found that another kind of righteousness is God's righteousness. And God's righteousness is, simply speaking, what is it? God's righteousness is, what is it? God's loving desire to want to save us. That's God's righteousness. God's loving desire to want to save us. That's God's righteousness. And that righteousness is only righteousness that can save us. Nothing else. So, uh, discovered uh, that kind of righteousness. And then he uh, expounded about the, the depth of sin, what sin does, and then the relationship between uh, the law and sin, and how law can be used by sin. When law was good, but as, as soon as the law is combined with sin, it became deadly weapon. Scary uh, thing to convict us, to accuse us, to drive us into darkness, and then it, it did terrible thing. I mean, law is good and law is spiritual, but somehow when it is combined with sin, it just did uh, tremendous uh, harm uh, on our spirituality, on our freedom, on our psyche, and on our life. Uh, basically, it just it bound uh, bound us. Uh, it uh, paralyzed us. It just uh, made us not move at all. And then he realized, oh, I didn't know that law had that kind of effect uh, on us. And then so he expanded uh, law and sin. Uh, and uh, we talked about what sin is, right? Sin is like an ink dropped in a cup of water. It uh, permeated a whole cup. So you cannot really get rid of it. It's, it's a small thing. Yeah, today I just experienced uh, that this a small cup of coffee I brought to, uh, in my room and I put it on the table and I, by mistake I spilled. And you know how hard that is to clean up the whole thing that the, uh, I mean, it's like that. The sin when the, the, uh, one drop of ink was uh, permeated into the water, you cannot just get rid of it. It's a permanent. Uh, damage and how uh, did God deal with that? What is God's righteousness? It's like grace. It's like throwing this uh, uh, ink, uh, the uh, cup uh, contaminated by ink. You throw that into the ocean, ocean water, and that ink is still there, but the effect of ink is not there anymore. Effect of sin is not there anymore. Uh, yes, we still have sin, but the, when grace uh, comes upon us abundantly, the amount of grace is so big that the power of sin 
it's, it's not visible. So uh, Paul is saying, uh, saying that that kind of abundant grace has come upon us. And so sin cannot control us anymore. Sin cannot kill us anymore. He realizes that that's how we overcome sin. That's how we can come to God. And then so he uh, talks, about, uh, talks about that. And then, uh, after that, uh, he's saying that basically, the reason you are saved is because God said you're okay. If God is for you, who's against you? You are committing sins against God, and this God against whom you committed sin said you're okay. So when God is God does not convict you, who will convict you? And then he talks about with a big crumble. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And before that, he said, there is no more condemnation in Christ. There's no, con no more condemnation for all of you. Do you believe that? There's no more condemnation for all of you. No one can condemn you anymore. And you are free from that condemnation. And that is a, such a powerful message. Such a powerful goodness, powerful gospel that Paul uh, really uh, spoke and declared with such an excitement. And then uh, we don't uh, sometimes uh, feel that. And then ultimately, what Paul is saying is this. You are beloved. That's ultimate message. All of you are beloved. How important that is. If that is not important, then you don't know gospel. When that is so important to you, then you know the gospel. When you say that you are beloved. When you don't think that this is the most important thing, then you'll still search for something else. You still don't know the gospel. When that is not really the most important thing, then gospel, gospel is not that precious to us anymore. I mean, uh, to us, not yet. Not yet. But at one point, we, re we re will realize that the most important thing in my life is that I am beloved of God. I am beloved. So when Jesus, before he began his ministry, only thing that was revealed to Jesus was what was that? On his baptism. This is what? Beloved. This is my beloved. This is my beloved. That's all. That was revealed to Jesus. And with that identity, he went into the ministry. With that identity, he went into the wilderness. And with that identity, he went to the cross. You are beloved. Jesus never lost that. You are beloved. All of you are beloved. So, in chapter 1 to 11, it's like a struggling through the darkness. All the darkness of sin and all the righteousness, law and all these things. You struggle, 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 and at the end of it, you come out of it saying that I am beloved. That's how do you come out? The jungle of chapter 1 to 11. I mean, it's so difficult to understand, right? The 1 to 11 is so difficult. So many words, so, so many concepts, and then so many uh, kind of uh, theories there. We went through all that. Ultimately, at the end of it, we should come out as, I am beloved. Because that's what St. Paul said. At the end, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. That was uh, 
the end of it. And then uh, that's basically the gospel. Uh, uh, Henry Nouwen uh, uh, is saying that there are three stages. And first stage is uh, solitude. And second stage is community. And third stage is ministry. But first stage in solitude, what you discover is simple. You discover that you are beloved. That's all. And then second stage, with that, you go into the community. And third stage is ministry. Without that, the, our whole ministry becomes uh, nullified. Uh, if our life, our existence is self-justification or self-righteousness, the moment you breathe your last breath, that righteousness is gone. That cannot save you. Uh, while you live on this earth, you may live with that righteousness, but that's the end of it. The reason, even after the last breath of our uh, breath, the reason I can survive, I can live on, is because of God's righteousness. That righteousness never disappears. You know, when you realize, when you realize that we are beloved, there's nothing for you to fear. There's nothing for you to fear. Only problem is that we don't know that. We only know it in concept. We only know it in words. We don't know that we are beloved. And then when that is so strongly ingrained in us, what happens? It's not that important. Peril, hardships, persecutions, illness, failure, disappointment, your ugliness, anything, it doesn't matter. When I know that I am beloved, then nothing really matters in life. And that is a power for us to persevere. It's not that Jews did not have zeal for God. They had tons of zeal for God. They worked so hard for God. They had lots of zeal. But what was their problem? Their zeal was not enlightened, the scripture says. Their zeal was not enlightened. So, they did not see. What did, what did they not see? They did not see that they are beloved. They are beloved. The righteousness comes from God and then they are beloved. They know that. That was the problem. So, that's 1 to 11. And then chapter 12, we are going in. We're going to just study uh, chapter 12. But you will see, whole chapter 12 is about love, love, love. Still, you know, it's nothing else. Paul is saying, just love, love, love. Right? So uh, we are going to uh, read uh, 12. Uh, then uh, what we have gone through so far. But here, when you read it, if you read it as kind of, this is how you should live, then you read it all wrong. And it becomes another legal code. Uh, because now you receive God's love, this is how you should live. That's not what Paul is trying to say. What Paul is trying to say is, when you recognize that God's love, this will what happen. This will happen. That's what he's saying. It's not that, okay, uh, I receive God's love, theoretically, with the assumption, now I have to live. See, it's not that. When God's righteousness comes to us and when God's love is poured upon us, 
that this change happens in me. And this is how we want to live and how this is what happens to us. So this is how God's grace works within us. Uh, as I said, Paul, uh, Paul said, I thought I used to be good, but I have realized that I am bad. But that's not only thing that he realized. He realized, but God has loved me all along in spite of that. Now, doing that love, somehow I am healed from my blindedness and see who I am and who God is. That's what that's what I Let me read it again for you. Okay? I thought I used to be good, but I have realized that I am bad. But God has loved me all along in spite of that. Now, doing that love, somehow I am healed from my blindness and see who I am and who God is. That's what Paul is saying, basically. Then, in the process, in the process, in this whole process, 11th chapter, in your solitude with God, in your solitude with God, ultimately, in your prayer with God, ultimately, you will, come, you will have to come out with this, I am beloved. I am beloved. Strongly, that has to be, so powerfully, uh, has to come to us. So in that process, God has become so important and I become not so important. That's a Christian journey. Not only Christian journey, that is, should be human journey. In the process, God becomes so important and I do not become not so important. So, I said, think not less of yourself, but think of yourself less. Can you show what I'm saying? Think not less of yourself, but think of yourself less. You don't need to think about yourself. Whether it's less or lot, you don't need to think about yourself in the process. In the process, God's will has become so important and my righteousness and my will have become not so important. In the process, in the process, I have overcome evil, not by evil, but with good. Somehow, all this gospel starts working and then my life turns around. Very, very differently. So, don't you agree it's good? Huh? As a human being? As a human being. I'm, I'm not talking about Christian. You don't need to be Christian to accept this message. Is it a good message? I mean, that, that, so I'm, I'm really, I talk with my staff. You know, this is this psychiatrist and psychologist should study the Paul, and then they should come up with theory. I mean, uh, cognitive theory, uh, cognitive theory is a little bit similar to uh, that, uh, but they, they should study Paul a little bit more and come, come up with their own uh, theory of uh, therapy, healing. I think it's very very effective healing. You know, to some people you're bad, bad, bad. That person will never change. I told you, guilt will never change people. As soon as the consequences disappears, then guilt disappears too. You know? We feel guilty only because of consequence. When consequence is gone, we don't even think about it. 
So guilt never can never change people. Yeah. You know? and this love, this love can only change. When you uh, raise your children, you know, uh, that love. Love is not just, oh, no. That's not what love is. <laughs> the really true, uh, they understand uh, love. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later what love is. But love is, I'll do whatever you want. That's how love is. You know, sometimes, you know, so some parents have a well, problem. You know? Or do whatever, run around. You know, break everything. You're know, fine. What kind of love is that? Right? Paul teaches us, tells us that grace is released to humans. Grace is released. And grace is power. Grace is released and grace is power. And he teaches us that you don't live with your strong will. That's not how you live. You may be able to do this with your strong will at the cost of everything else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I gotta achieve this. So your strong will help you achieve that, or you lose, lose everything else. Do you understand what I'm saying? They sacrifice so much to achieve that. Fool, papoji. It's a real fool. You know? I mean, everything has to work together, even if you achieve that. But to achieve that, you sacrifice everything. That's what human strong will does. But the power that flows through my entire existence is like a blood. Without blood, you cannot survive. It's, it is not the power that comes from your righteousness. I'm good. I'm well. I do well. It doesn't, it's not the power that comes from your righteousness. It is the power that lifts me up even when I'm completely broken. When you're completely broken, is there power? And the grace is a power even, I mean, power that lifts me up even when I'm completely broken. And the funny thing, the more you're broken, the more power of grace you experience. The more you're broken, the more power you experience. So when you're when you're not scared of your brokenness, what are you scared of? When you are not scared of just hitting the a rock bottom, what are you scared of? Ha! Oh, realize, ah, that's a confidence of life. That's confidence of life. When I'm not scared of the rock bottom, then there's nothing that I can be scared of. There's nothing that can scare me. Wow. Power of life we have now. We always are scared of, what if I hit the rock bottom? What if I hit the rock bottom? That's what we are scared of. But when you are not scared of hitting the rock bottom, what are you scared of? <laughs> Freedom. Freedom. Confidence. Confidence. So last week, sir, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. Death, you wanna come? Come. Problem, you wanna come? Come. I'm ready to suffer. Suffering, you wanna come? Come. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to die. Then, who can destroy us? Isn't it amazing wisdom? Huh? Isn't it amazing wisdom? People are telling me, they come to me and say, what a great wisdom in Romans. 
What a great wisdom there is in all of us. <clears throat> it is the power that comes not from me, but the power that comes apart from me. I hope that we all experience that power. What transforms me is not my willpower, but the power of grace that flows within me. So you want to be transformed, but you're still in control of your life? Transformation is not possible. Because it's not your power that can transform you. If it is your power that can transform you, then Paul would not have said, uh, wrote, written Romans. It is power apart from me. Now, uh, we'll have a uh, time of discussion. Romans, uh, read Romans 12, 1 to 3. And what do you think Paul had in mind when he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What, what, what did he mean by that? In the context of chapter 1 to 11, what did he mean? And then number two, he gives two phrases in contrast, being conformed and being transformed. Discuss how Paul is contrasting these two concepts. So have a great discussion. I, mean, I forgot to say this, uh, you know, in case of Bible uh, uh, study uh, the, the Wednesday, uh, I talked about a women's Bible study and then uh, the women's Bible study, uh, one woman said, oh, you know, when, uh, and, uh, when Paul talks about, I get, I get so excited. You know, I experienced that. I, I told them, uh, the, the Wednesday uh, Bible study people. And the next day, I got an email from one of the Janganis. And then they said, you know what I'm saying? That's what I felt. Discover the truth of life that I struggled so much. And I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't know the scripture enough. I thought I knew the scripture. All my life I was Christian and I'm an elder, but I didn't know uh, what the scripture. And he realized that uh, truth. And so that kind of thing happened. So discuss. Enjoy it. Ha! Moment. This is a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Second, being conformed and being uh, transformed is a, a, a contrast, and then how uh, how Paul is contrasting these two. I will uh, continuously discuss together, collectively this time. Uh, now you discuss in your small group, but collectively uh, let us discuss together. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So. Uh, how do you understand that? Any insight from your uh, group? Or already a uh, sacrifice that is holy and acceptable. So now give your bodies as a living sacrifice. And why body? Not mind, not soul, not spirit. Huh? Yeah, I don't think uh, Paul really meant a body body. Uh, he meant existence, our whole existence, whole self. So probably because it's a sacrifice, is 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 an animal body. So I think he used a, a language body, but uh, he is saying that uh, whole existence. Our whole existence uh, as a living sacrifice. Anything else? Go ahead. Yes. Our table accept that we are already fully accepted God. Yeah. So with that awareness and that confidence, and because of God's love, yeah, we can, yeah, with freedom, we can 
give our whole existence to God. That was our yeah, yeah, very good. And yeah. then Hajan said that yeah. training itself is very important. Training. Yeah, so sacrifice, leaving ourselves to God itself is so important. Yeah. And God, will, God will yeah, turning to God. Yeah, turning to the whole focus is turning to God, right? Yeah. So give your bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning you don't turn to yourself, you turn to God. Uh, that that uh, imagery, movement is that. Okay, anything else? So is it clear about holy and acceptable? You're confident that you give your bodies as a living sacrifice? This sentence doesn't mean that, oh, you have to do so much uh, to God. That's not what it means. Now everything is done. Now present your bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable to God. In other words, Give your existence at God's disposal. Don't try to control your life on your own. Don't take over. Don't take over your life. You're going to mess it up again. Don't take over <laughs> your life. You know, don't be an active decision maker on your own. Uh, that's what uh, Paul is saying. Don't take over your life again. That does not mean that you become a blind follower. What happens is this. As we present our bodies and ourselves at God's disposal, then, you know, something happens. When you do that, our mind becomes renewed. Our minds becomes renewed, and our eyes open, and our eyes open, and then transformation happens in us. And then we will be able to see the will of God. Perfect and good will of God. You are now able to see it. Then move it. In blindness, don't make active decision maker. Don't take over your life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Then your eyes will open and you'll be, you'll be able to see what is perfect and good will of God. And also at the same time, you will see what the world does. You will see what the world does. Before, you didn't even see what the world, uh, world did. And you just followed blindly the world. Why we follow blindly the world? Because the world is promoting you. 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 That's why we follow ourselves, you know. And then to follow ourselves, we follow the world. Oh, this is what the world uh, does. And this is what the world defines good life is. Now the world defines good life. Go, vacation, great uh, cities, great food, and all this. This is all good life. Pabucho. Do all the living a good life. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, underneath there is no really satisfaction. On the surface of the world says this is good life. And you just follow one item after another. And that's a good life. I mean, I'm not saying that vacation is bad. <laughs> vacation is great. But you have to know. Doing all those stuff on the surface does not make you, uh, your life good life. In other words, if you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, then your eyes open. And you see what the world does. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I get so excited. <laughs> so you do not conform to the pattern of this world, blindly. But rather you're transformed and see what really good life is. What makes me really happy. You see that? Krumun, if you know what is priority, it's not good. 
You don't have to go vacation every single year. Oh, otherwise we don't have good life. No. I mean, if you go, great. Go. Go, that's good. What I'm saying is, that's a secondary. That's a secondary. If you can drive Rolls Royce, that's fine. If I don't drive Rolls Royce, I don't miss it. I mean, it's great. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. If you have a great job, over $100,000, $200,000, that's great. Even if you don't have it, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, we have to see what the world does. I mean, some people leave the church and go to corporate world thinking that, oh, there is real life. Is there real life? Every week, every month, you have to perform and prove yourself how valuable you are, how good you are. You're continuously evaluated. Your identity is continuously, you have to prove yourself. Is there a good life? Well, after last week's sermon, I talked with um, Bryn for a long time. And then uh, we were talking, and then I said, you know, Savior, Messiah, that's a scandal, isn't it? Our Savior was rejected, suffered, and crucified, died. That was a scandal, and still scandal. Can that be the Messiah? We want the Messiah, strong, powerful, who can save us. But last week I said, at the end of it, what this Messiah did was that suffering do not be scared of suffering. This Messiah taught us. He himself went through the suffering and has showed us suffering cannot destroy us and kill us. You don't be scared of suffering. You are empowered enough to resist against the suffering or the, you know, the temptation all that. I think that Messiah is superior to Superman or Spider-Man <laughs> that this world considers as savior. Powerless people, you come with the power and say, they're powerless as it is. They don't change a thing. What kind of Messiah is that? I'm just helpless victim. And some powerful man or woman comes and uh, saves me, helps me. I don't need that kind of Messiah. I want Messiah to go through suffering with me and empowers me. And you're okay. Who is better, better Messiah? Do not conform to the power of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. And as I told you, in this church, what I'm trying to do is I want to critique the society. I want to critique the mentality of the society. I want to critique the mentality of this corporate world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And I realized transformation looks like this. The state of your self-centeredness being overcome. I realized that that's transformation. <clears throat> the state of your self-centeredness being overcome. When we worship, we present our bodies, ourselves, as a living sacrifice. The focus changes from me to God. So worship is, we, the focus changes from me to God. Our whole existence becomes like. This is a work of grace, and it is what transformation looks like. 
The whole chapter is about that. You become not so important. That does not mean that you do not become precious. You know you're precious. And therefore, you do not need to prove to yourself and to others how important you are. That is denying oneself. That is what denying oneself means. You're so precious that you don't need to prove to yourself and to others that you are important. Do you understand? That doesn't mean that you're not important. You know it so well that you don't need to do that. You don't need to beg for the recognition. See, please, I am like this. Preciousness given to us is so big that you cannot achieve that preciousness with any credits you have on you. The good news is, without our credits, you have that preciousness. And then I realized that that's what love is. True love is possible only when self-centeredness is overcome. When you're still very self-centered, you don't know what true love is. When you love, when true love comes to us, self-centeredness disappears. It casts out. Self-love and self-centeredness are two different things. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Outdo one another in showing honor. Bless those who persecute you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. All these things are possible when there is transformation. And transformation happens when we experience love. So chapter 1 to 11, Paul talks about love, and when that love manifests itself within us, then transformation occurs, and then we are able to do all these things. We enter into the world of love. As Jesus said, as I love you, love one another. And in that sense, love and humility are the same thing. Uh, two sides are the same coin. You cannot love and be arrogant. They, they are the same thing. Without love, humility becomes false humility. More ugly than arrogance, actually. As love grows, Humility grows. So my friends, my advice is, don't try to practice humility. <laughs> don't try to be humble. It will soon go into false humility. Humility is not something that you try. Grow in your compassion and love. Then humility grows as a result. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Live peaceably with with all, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you. He says it, if it is possible, because, I mean, you cannot live peacefully when the other person thinks you are enemy, right? So, but as far as you, your part, try to live peacefully. Love is not how you feel. 
love needs to be practiced. Love is practice, daily practice of love. You will fail many, many times. Many, many times you will fail. But don't get discouraged because failure is part of love. Failure is part of love. Be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. So at the end, Christian journey is not individual journey. It starts with solitude, but ultimately it enters into the community. It is a journey of a community. We can never be whole by ourselves, as all different gifts gather together and then we become whole. We need to accept each other. And that's humility and love. Then this community together, we exercise all the different gifts and we become whole. One person cannot become whole. Together, we become whole. So together, this community takes a journey. And then uh, uh, the woman's uh, Bible study, or one uh, woman said, actually it's a singer. A woman said, uh, you know, I can never do spiritual journey by myself because I need to be challenged. My thinking needs to be challenged by other people. I mean, that's so true. That we need to, we need community to continuously challenge each other and grow together as a collective body. That's the same Paul's uh, practical application in our lives for chapter 12. And then next week, we're going to study 13, 14, 15, probably, and then I'll finish up. I don't know. I'll just do it as much as I can. <laughs> uh, and then uh, another time, I will do it. But 16 is a kind of credit. You know, it's a movie. At the end of the movie, all the credit so and so have contributed. So six, chapter 16 is all about people. Uh, he uh, gave credit. So uh, 13, 14, 15. Uh, we'll study uh, next week and then finish up. Any questions? Okay, thank you. Let us pray. We remember again, O oh Lord, what our Lord Jesus Christ said. Because you think you know. Because you think you see. You don't see. If you knew that you, didn't, you don't see, then you would have been able to see. Lord, may your love powerfully work in us. May we be continuously be humbled by your love, by your righteousness. Break us, mold us, empower us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.